Welcome to the Pursuit of Wealth, where the H is surrounded by abundance. Today, we like to welcome you with open arms, an open heart, and an open mind to today's conversation. And today, we have joining us, Johnny. How are That's you, me. Johnny? I'm doing very well today. So lovely to see you, Tiffany. Yeah, likewise. And of course, we have the beautiful Julie. Hello. All bright and shining. I know. She is, isn't she? <laughs> the sun in my face. Well, maybe that's why you're bright and shiny. <laughs> the aura is glowing. Right? <laughs> totally. Very energetic. So today we are taking some time to talk to Johnny. And as if you followed up on our previous episode, we spent a little time with Julie. And, you know, with that, you know, over our past and coming back into a new season, you know, we like to kind of sort of recalibrate and, and sort of unite together. And this is a lovely way for us to do this. And as it, as it is, you know, we always have these sort of moments in our life, especially when we pause where, you know, we reconnect and go, oh, okay, yeah, this is totally another podcast episode and nothing is planned. And just as we are living in our own bodies and in our own journeys, life happens, right? And so just as this is titled, life happens and then we grow. And so life happens and then we grow with Johnny today. And That's so Johnny, right. what has, what is, what is, I'll ask the same as I asked for Julie. So what is real for you today? Uh, what is real for me today is being present, being present, not taking life so quickly, uh, taking a step back. Um, this is the month where it rains quite often in the afternoons, so it kind of forces us to stay inside, uh, not to be so dramatic and doing all of these activities outwardly as we might do in the city. Um, so that's really kind of what not only today has been, but really since uh, I've come back uh, from the summer is learning to be more patient, knowing that things will come as I keep building and making connections, um, but also looking within. So that's what's real today. Beautiful. Yeah. I love so, that. I, I want to hear more about your summer because you had a very interesting summer, didn't you? I did. Um, quite fascinating. You know, I, I was just realizing with COVID uh, these past couple of years, where everyone um, had to be shut down, borders weren't open. Uh, it really got me personally a little agitated, not because I'm a huge traveler, but because I really wanted to get out and to experience um, life beyond. Now, I've been nothing but grateful living in um, this village of Dalat in Vietnam. It's quite a lovely city. Most would call it the most romantic city in Vietnam. Uh, a paradise. But uh, as for me, I do, after a few years, I like to go venture out to see the world, to talk to new and interesting people, see new places, have interesting, delicious food to eat. And so once the opportunity came, uh, and I'll get into that, to go abroad, Thailand is one of the closest places where borders were open. It became much easier in June to start traveling. 
to Thailand because they're trying to uh, ramp up their tourism, which is a major industry. And for me personally, I was already there three times uh, to vacation there in Bangkok and uh, Pattaya in the north as well. But this time I really wanted to find kind of an international community. And I guess we're going to dive deep into the woo-woo thing. Um, so how I found Thailand, the place where I'm going to tell you, is had all to do with the crystal. Now, Julie last year showed us uh, how to work a crystal uh, with the dowsing and to ask simple questions, yes and no. Um, I was in disbelief, actually, with this crystal thing um, until I got my own little quartz crystal, about two inches, and I, I just began asking questions. Maybe I put a little too much faith in it, but it, it was kind of a, a fun gesture. As you can see, thank Just you, for Tiffany, those who for are showing. Curious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quartz crystal. Yeah, and that's a pretty good size as well. Yeah. So quartz crystals um, are good at reading your energy. They're good at responding to you. You have to grow a relationship with it um, so that it can respond to you. And so I was playing with mine, asking it. And by chance, you know, I, I asked it about Thailand. And it gave me a yes, but also I talked with my wife saying, hey, should we go to Thailand? She was kind of indifferent at first, but you know, I told her it would be really good to spend maybe a couple of weeks in Thailand, you know, at least. It's a good time to get away, not to see the rain, but just to be somewhere closer to the beach. As I really got into um, starting to be curious and researching, I found a program in the south of Thailand, on an island, actually, of all things. You know, all good things start with the Google search, or potentially, <laughs> if you're humble <laughs> and if you know what you're looking for. Otherwise, you're going to spend a few hours looking at dumb shit <laughs> that you don't <laughs> really want to. Uh, <laughs> It can go south. But for me, I had an intention of what I wanted to find. And I found this wonderful program uh, on the island of Koh Phangan, which is the third biggest island in Thailand. And I really didn't know anything about the island, but I was all for the program, um, which is a like a meditation, yoga, tantra retreat center called Samakaruna. So I do recommend. Uh, anyone going to Thailand and interested in growing themselves personally to do it. It's not like a spa. It's not a, you know, a VIP, you know, rich sort of experience, which is not what I was wanting to find. I wanted to find community and just, just becoming interested and humble with it. I had a good feeling. I took a training so that I could volunteer. It was a form four week, one month um, sort of endeavor that I would take on. But uh, we were financially comfortable for the summer. I looked into prices. They were reasonable to live on the island for a month. And so that's where we eventually ended up from Vietnam to uh, Koh Phang An, so, um, which was kind of a, a lovely bus ride, ferry ride, and then eventually made our way there. So Koh Phangan was kind of the place. Now, 
Living on the island, uh, a lovely experience. I brought my wife, I brought her son, and I really wanted them to see a different kind of world. So because they're all from, you know, the small village in Vietnam, all around family, around people that they're always around, I knew this was going to be different for them, but also for me as well, because I haven't really talked to too many uh, people personally in the past two and a half years because of the COVID thing. Sure. Yeah. So my first week um, on the, well, um, at the center, what I really uncovered was that hmm, it's not a place for ego. It's not a place to beat your chest, to show off. It was a place to basically take the cloak off, take the mask off, take your makeup off, to become vulnerable. Maybe looking a little disgusting in the morning because <laughs> it was, <laughs> you know, an all-day endeavor. You know, you get sweaty, you get hot, um, you do yoga, and then you continue on with um, volunteer work. But... I have to say it was a beautiful experience getting to meet people from over 30 different countries on the wow. small island of about, you know, maybe 20,000 people, if that. Um, but it is an adventure if you're open-minded, if you know how to navigate yourself and how to um, find groups either on Facebook to talk to the locals yeah. or talk to people that live close by. Mm -hmm. If you're willing to ask questions, if you're willing to give a bit of trust within yourself and then trust those that want to give you directions or want to help, there's a lot more people that are helpful than you should watch out for. That's been my experience. And I think a lot of other travelers would say the same thing. That's interesting. Yeah. It's really great. Sorry, I was just going to say, I know when you're, because I've been in foreign countries, and live in, I live in a foreign country as well, and I've traveled around Europe and I... And it, I think more often than not, that is the case. Um, but I, I think that oftentimes it, it seems like it's going to be a really difficult thing or like there are lots of predators out there, right? And it depends mm -hmm. on the big cities and, you know, how cautious you are as well. I mean, generally right. speaking, you get a sense of of that kind of stuff. But I... I I'm glad to hear that you had that experience because I know that can be a real, that can be really off-putting for a lot of people who want to travel. Yeah. You know, in very few instances, is there traumatic events that go on? I guess if you're traveling for a long, long time, of course, by the average, you're going to fall into some predicament, some <laughs> unfortunate circumstance. Um, but overall, you know, if you're able to keep, your head on, if you're able to be aware, if you're able to, you know, again, be strengthened and emboldened within yourself to take some initiative, even when things go south or awry or unexpected, then more often than not, you're going to make it through. Sure. I think that's true of domestic travel as well. It's just, Oh yeah. yeah. I was just having just this don't. conversation yesterday. Like we could ask, are you going to be safe? Are you going to be safe? And it's like, we live in the United States, honestly, schools are getting shot up. Like where, yeah. how do you define safety? I mean, truly, right. We're just yeah. as open to, you know, terrible things happening here as we are anyplace else, you know, for the most part, you know, by and large. Um, and, you know, 
Anyways, so Johnny, I have a question for you. So you yes. took off on this little adventure with your family and you, it seems like you went headfirst sort of immersed into you and really kind of stripping a lot of way. And so, so I really am curious, you know, what are, you know, your three top takeaways from that particular experience that you can, or that you have thus far, you know, brought with you sort of in your little, <laughs> your little, little knapsack or tool bag. Yeah. <laughs> so what is like the gratitude. three, that's right. What are your three biggest takeaways? So it, it's funny because during my third week at the meditation center, I asked, um, one of the artists, um, he, he was also a student there. They were making this mandala, this huge nine meter mandala, wow. something like that, or maybe it was like four or five meters, but a huge diameter. Nonetheless, it took about two weeks. And I asked this guy, you know, what, what is your experience of this place? In three words, only use three words. And um, I can't remember what he said, but he was a really fascinating guy. I could talk to him for hours and hours. And believe me, everyone did. They came up to him. Young guy. Um, I see he's from America. I think Seattle or so. Um, but then, of course, he turned it on me as well. He said, what are your top three words um, for being in, in this experience? And what I said, without doubt, without question, I said community, vulnerability, and hmm, openness, openness and appreciation. Community, because when I came to the island, I had... As I, as I would normally have, like this ego, that I'm supposed to be presenting myself in a certain way. I'm supposed to, you know, be this sort of strong person that knows how to navigate, that knows something. Maybe he doesn't, maybe he does. Um, but also, with vulnerability, I was not always able to express that. Actually, more often than not, just, you know, to get through. That's kind of what we've been conditioned to believe in America. Um, but coming to there immediately from day one, uh, at the community meeting, they had everyone dance. I walked into there. I'm like, what is everyone doing? They're dancing, this hippie type, you know, with their hands up. They're really close to each other, talking, very intimate. For me, I took off my shoes and my goodness, I was so stiff. It reminded me just like sixth grade in choir class um, when we went through lip drills. But, and honestly, with that first week, I was faking it completely. As I mentioned, it's a Tantra school. So every kind of class, you're close, you're intimate, you look each other in the eye. You put your hand over your heart. A very feminine uh, sort of in, in touch with yourself and in touch with the other person. I was faking it that first week completely, so, so awkwardly. By the time the second week came, the community dance came along. That first week kind of just shredded that, um, that, that sense of what I'm supposed to be. So that I, I was really loose with that dance the second community meeting. I was able to move my hands. I was, while I was talking to people that I had no idea, they were either new volunteers or they were community members, they were teachers, they were, you know, the instructors, the leaders um, of the program. There's also another practice where 
before you set um, set the intention for a class or a meeting, you look each other deep in the eye. I didn't realize how uncomfortable I was. A sense I did because I never actually had done that in a way that someone else saw me. Whenever I stared at someone else, it was like either they're very beautiful, a beautiful girl, like just staring, like wow. Hmm. In my head, it was always a, a fantasy of of what I was thinking, what I was believing, how I could interact with them. But again, that second week was peeling that away. I, I'm seen. I'm heard when they're talking with me. There's not um, being on your phone. There's not being sidetracked. There's not that sense in business where they look at you, look away, look at you, look away. If you're interesting, then they'll look at you. Okay, I want something from you. And then say thank you and go somewhere else. There was mm -hmm. none of that. There was just, I'm here, I'm with you, and I appreciate your presence. For me, that's where community, vulnerability, and presence came in. Presence and acceptance. As I think I mentioned to everyone at the center, I haven't had that sense of community in 15 years. 15 years before that. Mm. And I, I can I just can I just clarify one thing? And I and yeah. just because I think this is this is something that's misunderstood so widely in our society, in Western society certainly. Um, but we we have both feminine and masculine energy within us. Yes. So when you talk about the feminine, it isn't it isn't being effeminate or being girly. It's, it's tapping into the feminine energy. Mm. You know, masculine energy is more when we're taking charge, ego comes in a bit more. Test I mean, it driven. does with feminine as well, but not as much. It, it isn't that nurturing side, that vulnerable side, that emotional side, you know, it's just like take charge, get it done. And it isn't, mm. neither one is good or bad. We both, we all need both of them. And we all need to learn how to balance them and when to put those particular energies to the front, as it were, or to tap into those particular energies to, to communicate with the people around us. Because it also has such a lot to do with mm. community and interpersonal relationships and that sort of thing. So I just want to, I just wonder if you want to talk a little bit about the energies, because, um, because I think that's an important distinction to make, that it's, it's okay to have that feminine energy expressed. Well, and, and just to, to your point, Julie, I think that what you said, you know, especially in the Western society, and this is something that I, I feel drawn to, you know, sort of, it, it seems like it keeps coming up for conversation. And, and, and largely, all that it means is that you were just a more comfortable human being in your skin. It's not yeah. to suggest that you were one or the other. And having that yin and yang, mm -hmm. and also knowing which one will get what you, you know, <clears throat> get what it is that you need. And so largely if you see a man, right, taking charge and just doing the to-do list and, and sort of living in that very black and white area, cause that's kind of how mm -hmm. I identify it. Right. And so, yeah. but where's that gray and tapping mm -hmm. into that gray, more of that feminine energy only embodies you and helps you live and be in your own skin as opposed to just being one particular way. Mm. Yeah. Or doing things, you're present and feeling things. Right. That's right. Well, that's largely what Tantra is about, is just to 
really be relating within yourself and to understand those two energies um, between masculine and feminine and that they intermix or they are polarities, but they're also oneness. And you can express those two and that oneness together, depending. The first Tantra class that I was in, and it, it, you know, it might not be what the common person thinks of Tantra. Basically, it's just connecting and being in touch with yourself, your emotions, your expression. And to be really looking at, well, the other person through yourself. The first Tantra class I was in, again, I was wanting to be this masculine of just analyzing, of being very particular, of, you know, having this strong sense of muscular stature, you know, even with the dancing, it was uncomfortable because, you know, the creative, the nurturing, that's more feminine energies. The mm -hmm. one of soft touch is very feminine. Masculine is let's get this done. Let's get this done. Let's do the work, the process, the intention, the uh, forward, forward movement. Generally, where women, feminine energy, but women carry this much further than most men, is that let's, hmm, let's do a bit more settling in. Let's understand the meaning of it. Let's nurture this feeling or this intention and where this is going. And let's have a more holistic view of, you know, where where this is coming from, where the emotions are coming from, the feelings, the moods. Um, yeah, and what you're what you're saying, Johnny, just to kind of break that down, because as I'm hearing it, I'm 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 sort of identifying it with, you know, it's it's almost like romance versus sex, mm. right? Romance. Yeah. takes a lot more to it. It's leading up to sex, but it's yeah. not the reason. No. Do you know what I mean? It embodies so much more. It embodies, you know, sensualness. It embodies, you know, music and mood and touching and feeling and, you know, that sort of heart-centered connection, right? Yeah. Yeah. Completely the heart-centered. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> heart-centered naturally is more feminine-driven. Right. And, and mean, it's that's more not expressive. Of course. And that's not to suggest that, you know, any man listening to this who thinks to himself, wow, I really love romance. I applaud you because you were more in your feminine energy at those moments. And it's a beautiful thing and it should be celebrated. It's not, yeah. you know, good or bad. It's just sort of having that ability to oscillate between the two and knowing, you know, when you need to just do versus feel, you know? Right. Huh. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the perfect example of where this kind of all melts within, you know, maybe a sense of Tantra is that after a dance, at least the classes that I was in, after the dance, there's one exercise um, during the classes where you do a light touch. You get in with a partner, male or female, by the way, it's open, um, and where there's basically just an intimate touch. Nothing sexual, again, sensual, nothing with that. Not sexual. To be intimate. Yeah. To be intimate. And it's more of an expression of yourself. So I was paired with a man. <laughs> again, here's my ego. Here's my thoughts. Here's my masculine energy. Like, how, <laughs> how am I going to do this? 
this is immediately uncomfortable for me. You know, I'm trying to have my cloak on of masculine. I'm looking around like they're all paired up. I'm not paired. Okay, there's a man. All right, let's try and do this. That first class, I was, I had my eyes shut. I'm like, okay, let's get it over with. You know, let's let's intimately touch. You know, the arms, the shoulders, the face. Eventually, <laughs> the teacher. Yeah, eventually the teacher came by. He's like, son, or he's like, you know, a student, Johnny, open your eyes. Mm-hmm. Be in touch, be in that comfort of yourself. Not in too many words, but that was the energy. And after that, you know, I just took a moment, almost crying, actually, to saying, this is an expression of me, not him. Even though I'm a straight man and I want to emulate this masculine energy, well, look at where I'm at. It's a safe space. Yeah. Yes, you know, ideally my ego wants to be with a woman, you know, even in a class like that. But the intention is not sexual. The intention is vulnerability of it's yourself. Human. It's human. Exactly. It's connectedness. Yeah. yeah. And so to get away from that conditioning, I did open my eyes. I did have a conversation, an inti- you know, a vulnerable conversation, an intimate conversation, and why I was struggling so much with this guy for about 30 minutes afterwards. And, he, you know, we had a lovely conversation sitting, having a coffee um, right, right outside the class. And then that next week, you know, again, just coming into that with a sense of vulnerability and able to do that, whether it was with a man, you know, might have been a group of three, or with a woman, I was more comfortable just to see them through me Mm, and to be able to connect with that and just to smile. That's, no, sorry, Julie, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that, you know, when um, something that I have really been practicing in my own life, and, and I hear it so much from you, is that when you are afraid, Right. Or when there's fear and not fear of being hurt or fear, you know, we're, we're you know, speaking about what Johnny was talking about. Yeah. There was fear there. Right. And so Aversion. we're yeah. yeah, there is some sort of fear. Right. Just, yeah. OK, can this other person see me? Can they hold me? Do they have that space for me? Right. There, that's fear. Yeah. And yeah. it's yeah, I see fear as a huge umbrella for a whole bunch of other things, but largely mm. fear. Right. And so having that ability to strip that from yourself, you know, that's something where your ego, not, I mean, when I say you, I don't, I'm not, you know, whatever, it's open, right? Yeah. (laughs) When your ego is telling you no, largely that's when you jump in with two feet. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but, and having that ability to identify that is paramount to really moving the needle forward within your own sort of life. Right. So it sounds to me like Johnny, you had a very large, uh, you know, I don't, again, I don't, when I say fear, I don't necessarily mean that. Right. But you had to push through something that your ego was telling you a whole bunch of things. I'm certain. Right. And really holding you back. And at the end of that, you became more centered and more open, you know, just by purely enduring something that felt uncomfortable, but opening your heart to it at the same time. And I'm sure it catapulted you even further because you had that sort of fear, but you, you didn't let your ego, because again, you talked to, you know, you didn't let your ego sort of stand in that way. And that's what I'm hearing from you. 
Well, since I, you know, uh, imagine being without a sense of community for 15 years and uh -huh. being conditioned to be strong uh, for yourself, you know, often in survival, often to show an impression about what you can achieve, about what you can do, um, about, <laughs> you know, either in school or corporate or a job, you know, being seen about what you can do, not who you are, you know. So when that sense finally came of doing devotional service through well through an active meditation like volunteering you know cleaning up the garden or you know painting a slide which i did or painting a mandala just and then right after that you know really connecting sitting down at a cafe talking to people that are also struggling or going through this a similar fear they're all there for a reason, wanting to connect and show their vulnerability. It's an environment. Um, one of the teachers that does inner dance, Webb, um, he, he said something that really sticks with me. He said, you know, make the space sacred and every space is sacred. You are also the space that is sacred um, and, and you are the space that you present. Just like within energy, energy gives off, energy returns to you, um, and again with, you know, masculine, feminine, polarity, whatever you want to call it, what you're giving off, you're setting that energy that's around you. Yeah. yeah so it we, depends on what you attract, what kind of people, event, environments, experiences, intention, beliefs, and all of that. Well, and that's, you know, that's kind of our reality is that we, we attract more of what we focus on. Right. Mm. And so if we're focused on ego and fear, we attract situations that strengthen that ego and, and fear. And I think there's a there's one big clarification that needs to to be brought out in, in that when you're when we're talking about fear, it's not fear of safety. Right. I mean, there is emotional safety is a big fear with people who've been through serious trauma. And I understand that yeah. we're not talking about I mean, that's a whole different kind of fear. That's right. You know, physical and, and personal safety. And that's why I think it's so important to find a place like this retreat center or like working with a coach or like working with a therapist or, you know, even in a group where you have that safe space to step into the fear and express yourself without having to worry about what's going to happen when you do it. Mm. Right. Because then you can really allow yourself to step into the fear um, and, and jump in there and get the benefit of it and strengthen yourself and resilience. And sometimes, you know, I've done that in, in groups. I worked with a, a trauma recovery group. I've worked with some, you know, body image issue groups and, and women, men um, all in those in those situations where it's it can be incredibly emotional. It can be you know, and, and that vulnerability is something that we're taught never to show, mm. right? Even as women, you know, we mm. do we do a better job of it, generally speaking. Although mm. I have to say, we talk about masculine and feminine energy in my own life. A lot of times, Ian and I are playing opposite roles of what society says we should in that sense. But but it's 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 having that having that safe space, that sacred space, which is is absolutely critical in order to be able to have that full experience and allow yourself to step beyond that fear. So, 
anyway, my two cents, but I, I imagine that made all the difference for you. It did. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. that was really well, well said. Well, well stated, Julie. Thank you. Now, Johnny, I'm curious. So you've had quite the experience in, in your journey and now as you sit today, what have you integrated into your life and, and really, you know, carried with you? Well, that's all about it. So after the experience coming back, <clears throat> it was honestly really hard um, because I was so connected to that place, the community that I found over the weeks. Um, you know, all things uh, have to transition at some point. So coming back here, um, <clears throat> I knew it was pretty difficult, the reintegration part of me. Some things that I took was really to be present, to be more present, um, and to be aware of my own emotions, and also to gain resilience about what I want to be. Not to be so frustrated with the way or state of things as the way they are now, but to open my world, open my mind, open my heart, especially a bit more, and to be finding a community um, wherever I am that kind of aligns with that, um, no matter how big or small. So once I got back um, to Dilat, um, about a week later, I reached out or tried to find some people that were into this whole environment. Of course, you know, don't always know, but I found uh, Sivananda, um, yoga center, which they do traditional yoga. They do kirtan on Wednesdays and Sundays. And again, shoot and miss. I went there and uh, I did a few practices and that was nice for me. Um, of course, not exactly the community that I found in Kopangan, similar. Um, now there was also this couple that just by happenstance, I reached out to. They have a energy energy practice, not even a retreat center, but just a husband and wife, Vietnamese couple living in Dalat from Saigon. Um, they dive into all things uh, from healing, energy work, uh, you know, transcendental experiences, past life regressions, um, just things like that. So I had a long conversation with them, uh, you know, about two weeks ago, and then I'll meet them probably again in the next week, just because I've resonated with them. And honestly, like the day after I met with them, my energy, and for those that are listening that don't understand this whole frequency thing that's going on that we often talk about, energy was lifted. Like I was in resonance um, much higher than before. So much so that I was having headaches and my hands were like shaking and uh, it was a good feeling though. So I, I guess the other thing though would just be, <sighs> usually I have anxiety <laughs> um, a lot about a lot of different things, but just being open to the possibilities of what is not relying so much on what's out there, but tuning in more to what I can attract within my own self or the other experiences. Again, we talked about sacred environment and I've also rekindled uh, a lot of my fascination with Joe Dispenza um, and, and listening to those meditations. And uh, 
still on the journey to see where it goes. Of course. That's really cool. Yeah. I know, I know we're running, I know we're running short on time, but I just, the, the whole thing about energy, even for people who think that's a, it's too woo woo. I mean, just think about the fact that, you know, people who just being around them makes you feel better. Oh yeah. And, and you also you. know people who are energy vampires that just yeah. suck the life out of you and you, you avoid spending with them. And that is, that is energy. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Places. There's places, there's places, homes. Yeah. Yes, like Copangan. Little did I know it was an island built on top of a rose quartz crystal. Ah, very cool. Yeah. That's beautiful. Very interesting place. Because they are just all energies, right? And Johnny, thank you for sharing so much, you know, so many intimate details about your experience. I think that we've all learned a little, you know, from your experience for sure. And seeing you, you know, integrate this, you know, because it will stay with you for the rest of your life. And some things that probably weren't important to you, you know, in those moments, they will become important to you at some point in your future. And so that's quite an experience, you know, that I can tell that you have had. And I think it's such a beautiful thing. And, you know, really, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, just to kind of, you know, wrap up here, you know, what, you know, what sort of, you know, and I think I asked Julie a similar version of this question, but, you know, what, what, what could you tell your future self, you know, over the next, you know, coming months? Coming months? Yeah. What advice do you have to your future self? It doesn't have to be months. It can be however, you know. Let's do a few years. It's your question. <laughs> yeah. Um, things I would tell myself to my future self is, hmm, that's a good one. <laughs> I guess stay resilient. And this is what I've uh, been journaling this last week is just to be going forward with those intuitions that you have, those ideas, those feelings, sensations. Don't stop there. Do something. Progress your way forward. That's what I would tell my future self. And do it with an honest um, love and enjoy while shedding the frustration, shedding the ego, and try to include those like-minded people within. Don't try to attach to something, but detach while going forward with it. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say. That's beautiful, Johnny. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing, you know, your story and your journey with us today. We definitely appreciate it. And, you know, thank you for, thank you for it. And My pleasure. I, yeah. I'm, and if anyone is interested in our community um, to know more about my experiences or Julie's experiences from the last episode, reach out to us. You know, we're more than happy to talk and to share. Absolutely. Please do. Absolutely. And we well, always have the, that's right. And we always have the links for all of this, you know, in our show notes. And, you know, as we, you know, talk about often in our podcast, it's really just about becoming 1% better. And so if any of this at all resonates with you and you are looking, you know, how to, you know, even become 1% better today, tomorrow, or, you know, over the next year, you know, we invite you to reach out to all three of us individually, you know, we're all about, we're not all for everybody, right? And, yeah. you know, but if you resonate with us and you feel called to, you know, to, to, to reach out, we, we celebrate you and we welcome the opportunity. Mm -hmm.